Recording live from two nondescript locations on opposite sides of the state of Arkansas. Talking about 100% Razorback Sports. It's time for... What did you name us? Uh, just Razorback Chat for now. Razorback <laughs> Chat! See, the intro is going to be something like that with these explosions. <laughs> na, na, na. It's the final countdown. Recording live from our houses through our iPhones. Well, uh, this is the <laughs> inaugural episode of Razorback Chat. And uh, that may or may not understand the name, but the premise of this podcast is that we're going to talk about all things Razorback through kind of a fan filter. There are a lot of sort of Razorback pundits out there. Um, but, you know, I think for, I think we're looking to be a little bit different. And so we're going to just talk about like real guys talk about stuff. No, uh, no unbiased here. We're going to be very biased. <laughs> and we don't have any sponsors yet, so we're yes, gonna, we, we don't we can... have to obey any sort of rules or anything. Right. So, you know, first thing, this was uh, uh, obviously starting a podcast mid-football season. But if this was the football season, you know, if there was a football season to do that, this was the one. Been kind of a tough year. Uh Coach Morris's first year, and we're we're upon the bye week, so um, it's a good weekend because we can't lose. <laughs> we're gonna win. Well, <laughs> we're not gonna lose anyway. You know, and after last week's game at Vanderbilt, you know it's it, there's a lot of questions I think about consistency, and I think that's where a lot of the fans are probably the most concerned. It's like, you know, I think there were some high hopes going into this year, but I think realistically people thought that the Razorbacks were going to at least win four or five games. And, and they may still, but um, doesn't really look like they'll even probably get to to that five mark. Um, and with the games that they have coming up, they may not they may not win another game uh but i think the the things that bother me most when i'm watching the game is like there's there's a so much that you can forgive coach morris coming in here in a difficult situation it looks like he's really done an uh incredible job at, at recruiting and, and maybe one of the best recruiting years that we've had in a long time uh, coming up next year. So it looks like he's a great recruiter, but there's some fundamental things. And I know we've talked about it before, Dave, of is it, you know, what is it? Is it that the coaching staff has not been able to kind of instill in, in these guys uh, even sort of the basics like kickoff coverage or is there something with this squad 
because this is kind of what got uh, Brett Bielema sunk. These, uh, a lot of the players that are still there, they play good for two, for two quarters in the first half, and then they just crumble in the second half. It's, it's uncanny. It's, they've appropriately earned the name the, uh, the Heartbreak Hogs because they, they did that. no lead is safe. It's ridiculous. And so is it uh, how much of that is on Coach Morris and, and the rest of the coaching staff? And how much of that is on some players uh, who maybe just don't have what it takes to get through four quarters in SEC football? What do you think, Dave? Um, I think, you know, a little bit of it falls on Coach Morris, and people will always blame him for because he is the head coach and he's making whatever it is a year, $3 million or whatever a year. So people are always going to be like, well, he's got to take responsibility for it. And I get that to an extent. But bottom line is, you know, where we're at right now, we didn't get there overnight. Even in one season, It's it's been at least two seasons of us, you know, dropping the ball literally in the fourth quarter and just losing games that, that we should have won and just – not having to fight all the way through the game. And I think it's a combination of mental toughness as well as a lack of, you know, um, lacks of recruiting better players and lack of development of players. And we're seeing, you know, how the damage that really has been done over the past few years come to fruition where, I mean, I mean, it, uh, you know, I, I pick on the secondary quite a bit because, you know, they're the secondary and that's what you see more of because once the guys get past the line of scrimmage. But, man, some of those guys. Seems like everybody picks on the, our secondary, yeah. especially the other teams. <laughs> right. And it's true. I mean, you know, Santos Ramirez is like the armless tackler out there. You know, he just runs up and hits a guy and doesn't wrap up and, I know for a fact there were two touchdowns against Ole Miss that were he could have if he had tackled he would have saved at least two touchdowns they might have went on to score you know eventually in that drive but there were there were two things I was so so pissed watching that game at him a long he just, way from uh, Kenoy Kennedy oh yeah 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 you take those guys like Kenoy Kennedy and uh, Kenny Hamlin Kenny Hamlin Kenny, Kenny Hamlin. And uh, man, those guys and and I went to school with Steve um, Atwater and Tony Booya. Yeah, I had I had several classes with Tony Booya, and um, man, that dude—he just had an essence of of kind of just you don't mess with that dude, like right. you know. And that that's how they were on the field. Like if you got to them, like if you were running back and you broke through and you got to Ken Hamlin or Tony Booya, got to that second the, level, right? They they punished you and then they told you about it you know they told you hey every time you come back here i'm just gonna lay you out dude don't don't come back here again <laughs> right you know that's the attitude that's missed in my opinion yeah um and it may be kind of the attitude that's missing from a lot of teams mm-hmm. uh, there has been you know there has been a little bit football is different than it was even you know even just back when like you and I were in college. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, football is different, even even from just you know ten years ago. Um, and that was one of the things. Even with 
even during the Houston Nut years where we were we would have losing seasons or or you know we'd get to six wins or uh but the, you'd always had teams that said well um you don't want to play them though we right. we, we kind of had that 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 where people said well they're a tough team to play they're scrappy you don't want to you don't want to play that team uh right. and and so that was kind of a a part of the identity that the Razorbacks mm-hmm. had um there's i think there's some ways that football altogether has lost that but i think mm-hmm. that definitely there's some lacking this team in a lot of ways has become a pushover team and i think that Brett Bielema wanted to have that sort of hard nose attitude i think he did have it in wisconsin but for whatever reason uh he wasn't able to to really instill that even even on the offensive line which was where he was supposed to excel um you know and so it's 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 interesting i i'm curious to see what it looks like when uh uh morris gets in a good solid quarterback that has you know really is able to run his system because I think that this the any of the quarterbacks we have now, um, there is uh, to some extent, I, and and I think the data is limited on Connor Nolan, but obviously with Story and Cole Kelly, um, that there's they just don't have that. They're not real clear. Uh, um, God, they don't have that gift of of pure throwing arm, and that's what seems like is missing from this offense. Because we've had I don't know how many, in many times, that we've missed a big home run, that could have right. been a momentum changer in a game, and the the receiver was there, but the ball wasn't anywhere anywhere even close, um, and that's what for an offense like what. Chad Morris is trying to run now, uh, trying to use use the run out of that hurry up and set up the long pass. And I think that's killing us at times whenever we set up uh, for that gangbuster play and, you know, it's, it's ball is un- – it's, it's rarely ever overthrown, usually underthrown on those long routes. Ty Story just, you know – I think that he's probably our best option. I think that he's played um, well, I guess, from the circumstance. But, you know, I don't think anybody believes that he's going to be the quarterback next year. Uh, and I think that's going to probably be be an interesting development uh, because there's the the quarterback from Clemson that came over and taken a look. Uh, don't know what Connor Nolan's gonna do. Um, the has the uh, Jefferson kid has he committed to Arkansas? Yeah, he's he's committed. Yeah, okay. he said he he says yeah he's coming here. I mean, anything's you know until they sign the papers, it's kind of you know right. up in the air. But he has he has committed here. And man, I was looking at the quarterback stuff, and it, it's just so like. You know, Cole Kelly's not made for this offense, you know. 
Right. That's that's very obvious. So I mean, I, I expect him to transfer out along with, uh, you know, probably a couple other guys. Uh, the thing about Connor Nolan is he he is playing baseball too. He's going to play baseball, Van right. Horn. So I mean, it may develop into something where, you know, when uh, if if Kelly Bryant decides to come here and that KJ Jefferson. That kid, if he comes in, he's coming in actually in January. So if he gets in here and really shows like he knows, you know, it may be something where Connor Nolan just, if he, if it doesn't work out, he might just go to baseball. So that, that's something to take into consideration there too. Whereas, you know, he, he has an option to go do something else as well. You know right. I mean? Baseball's not a bad, you know, way to go, honestly. I mean, I know they have the minors and stuff and it's not all, you know, roses and stuff, but I mean, that's, that's not a bad option to have baseball in your back pocket either. See, I kind of, I kind of see, I, I see Ty story transferring for some reason. I, I get the feeling like uh, Cole Kelly is not going anywhere. Uh, even though he won't probably won't play. Um, you know, I, I just see them trying to get him involved some, you know, even still, even if we have a, a different quarterback situation, bringing him in on short yardage, uh, you know, if if this was Houston Nut Days, they'd just make him into a tight end. You know, as, <laughs> as big as he is, that's it's not a bad. I mean, I don't know. It physically, that's not a, you know, put him out there in like a red zone situation, match him if he gets a mismatch with a short dude, just. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Say, hey, dude, go over there, and I'm going to throw you, you know, throw you a pass. Just jump up there and catch the damn ball. But yeah, I, you know, I but for some reason, I I feel like Ty Story is in. You know, he came from a, I think a what Charleston. It's a pretty small, mm-hmm. tiny yes. school, like a two A mm-hmm. school. It's a really small school. I actually the the one year that I coached, we. uh we played and beat Charleston. Um, and it's, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's tiny. Oh yeah. So, yeah. I mean, uh, but you know, it's, it's just interesting. I think to see what this offense is going to look like a few years down the line with the kind of players, uh, you know, coming in, mm-hmm. um, what's his name? Uh, Henry, uh, it's not Hayden Henry. Hayden Henry already, already plays. What's Hudson? Henry. Hudson, Hudson Henry, the the number one tight end. Uh, that was, you know, that was a great, great moment. I think whenever he decided to come here, because it's been a while since we've had that, since we mm-hmm. had that that Arkansas kid that was uh, that had some options that decided to stay in state right? Uh, and had, you know, the pride in the school after mm-hmm. having, you know, guys like, um, what KJ, uh, Jeff is his name. Is it his name? KJ Jefferson, mm-hmm. uh, uh, that, that went, um, to Ohio state. Oh no, that was KJ Hill. KJ Hill. It? Yeah. KJ Hill leaving. You had, you know, the, the thing with Malik Monk, the kid that went to Florida, um, you know, for basketball, uh, it just had some, some tough, um, mm-hmm. 
you know, people that can change your program that, that decide to not come here. So, so to get that win, that to me was, was bigger um, than going to a bowl game this year because that's the kind of kid that's going to give you three great years of, uh, you know, of football. And I just, I'm excited to think about the receivers he's got coming in, the way that it looks like they're really paying attention to both the defensive and offensive line. I know they've got a ton of defensive, uh, defensive linemen coming in, a lot of defensive ends, uh, which that's the thing that I think Brett, B, uh, Brett Bielham always talked about but never really did was having having a defensive line that was like three deep right. so that uh, so that you're able to just constantly throw fresh guys and get that pass rush because the way a lot of teams just nationwide, but especially in the SEC play now uh, like what Vanderbilt played us and they, they, because a lot of teams have that hurry up mentality, unless you're a team like Alabama or LSU, there's a lot of teams that are playing a lot of nickel, you know, playing a lot of back in the secondary and relying on just their defensive line to get pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, especially like Arkansas this year is not doing a whole lot of blitzing. But uh, they have uh, Richardson that comes in, uh, you know, at that at that extra spot, and it just it kills me that even we go into these max coverage packages in second half and just get killed. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's heart wrenching. <laughs> it's 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 a hard season to watch, man. It's it's pretty rough. Um, I I was I was thinking the defense would actually be better than the offense because of the offense he runs. You got to have some people that are kind of accustomed to it, but it it turns out he's actually, I think anyway, Morris has made a lot of improvements with working what he has, you know, in the offense. And I I assume Joe Craddock, the offensive coordinator was in on it as well. But I mean, I I just think it's going to take time. I think we're realizing like just how, depleted and how we don't have a lot of depth or talent or talent as far as players go just to be blunt about it right i mean you can see like again i'm picking on the secondary but like you can see they take bad angles some of them don't have near the speed to catch some guys i mean not not even receivers but just like a running back you know he breaks through the line or whatever and they just take bad angles or they they just can't can't keep up you know they're not quick enough or fast enough they kind of look just uh considerably slower out there a lot well of and it's too. like when we played colorado mm-hmm. uh and the one that there was only one guy catching yeah, the that, ball right and they couldn't receiver. stop the one guy <laughs> you know um yeah and you knew he was getting it because he was the hot hot hand you right. know, they were they were nailing it he so was the it only was... guy that was catching the ball right and they couldn't exactly. stop him yeah. uh you know it's it's it it is frustrating so i just i i think that i kind of agree with you i tend to have faith in the ability of the coaching staff i guess 
um, and less, you know, uh, kind of blame, I guess, the way the season's gone more so on the players mm-hmm. than, uh, than on the coaching staff because I was actually really excited when Chavis uh, came here. I mean, I know it sounds crazy, but he was somebody that I thought that they should look at as a head coach mm-hmm. um, because – uh, simply because of the fact that I think a, a team like Arkansas, for us to really truly ever have um, a, the the possibility of truly being competitive in the SEC, you know, it's not just have a few years where maybe we surprise people and win eight nine games. I'm talking about to truly year in and year out go in and be competitive. You know, it seems like it starts with defense first. Uh, right. And you see sometimes with these teams like Tennessee, Georgia, uh, are a couple great teams as examples. When you have the head coach with the defensive mindset, then they'll, they tend to turn the offense over to the offensive coordinator. Uh, and I think that there is a little bit – uh, there's something to be said for a head coach that doesn't interfere in the offense. You wonder how much of the offense is Chad Morris or Joe Craddock, or you wonder like, um, you know, at Auburn, uh, how much, uh, you know, who's, who's actually controlling the offense there with these teams that have, offensive minded coaches there, you know, there's a, a huge focus that gets put on the offense, but it seems like some of these teams that have been able to turn their programs around start by, uh, by really building the uh, defense first and turning the offense over to a a coordinator and, uh, you know, letting there be a a little bit more continuity there as, as opposed to a, a team where you've got your, your offensive coordinator, but you've also got a head coach that probably tinkers and has a lot to do with that offensive philosophy. Uh, right. There's not a lot of teams that value defense first, but some of these teams that uh, are really hard-nosed and have made quick turnarounds, they did it by changing their defensive culture first. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I think, um, you know, our secondary has been bad for several years. Uh, you know, we've been burned quite often, you know, and I, I just think I, I, I just hope Chavis gets in there. He's going to have to teach fundamentals and get new recruits in there is what it's right. going to boil down to. You know, we've got some young guys too. So, I mean, we're, we're getting rid of – there's three seniors in the secondary, so they'll be gone after this year and, Right. Hopefully, you know, it, it's all about buying into, you know, if they're not anytime you have a turnover of a boss in any organization or business, there's there's always some people that, you know, they're like, well, I like the old boss and I've done my job this way for this long. So I'm just going to keep doing it my way and this new boss, whatever, you know, I'll I'll just do enough to do my job, but I'm not going to do everything they say or whatever. I think right. there's. I think there's some of that, you know, um, 
So, I mean, once, once you get people that buy into it and get some of these, you know, recruits in here and start getting them going, you know, I'm, I think it's going to turn around, you know, something I've, I've been thinking about is like, I feel like a lot of these schools, you know, especially the bigger the school, you know, they, they, you know, about five years is about all they'll give a coach to really, um, show something, I guess, you know, sometimes even less than that. And I'm wondering if there's ever going to be a time where they just start giving them more time because I mean, these coaches, I I, I don't know. I mean, uh, it doesn't seem like there's just a ton of coaches out there that, you know, it's like, Oh, well, we'll just get rid of this guy. And then I guess hiring up and comer, I guess is the way to do it. I, I don't know, but I just I just wonder if there's ever going to be a shift to where they give guys more time, like more like seven years or something like that. I don't know. As long as they're showing improvement, I mean, obviously, if it's a train wreck, you know, you got to you got to cut that off at the pass. But well, and I think it's situational. I think it's yeah. you know depends on what what the optics are, what the fan base is like, you know, and what so the it's... and what the school is too. Because I mean, you know. The example for this year, anyway, is Kentucky. You know, that's a basketball school. Right. You know, so the the football coach didn't really have any pressure. pressure. Um, Stoops, I can't – he's one of the Stoops guys. I can't remember his first name. But, but I mean, he's been there. This is like his sixth or seventh year. You know what I mean? So, right. But he's – you know, he's doing something, right? He's – they're like, I don't know, 10th in the country or something. I think right. they've only lost like one game. So, I just wonder if – not and I know the bigger schools won't do that, but I'm I'm just wondering if some of these smaller schools might be like, especially like you said, situational. Like Kentucky's a basketball school, so the football team's going to get away with you know not being good. They haven't been good for a while, so it's not it's not like they're doing anything different, you know. But um, I, I don't know. I've just kind of been wondering that lately. Well, and I think that to a certain extent some of the stuff that's been going on with defenses has been universal. You know, there's mm-hmm. definitely been uh, a, an adjustment made to where uh, offensive uh, offense has become the name of the game. Even yeah. teams like Alabama, when mm-hmm. they're winning, they're putting up a ton of points, but they're still giving up a ton of points at times. Right. A- and they're considered to be – one of the, you know, if not the top defense in the country, and they still, heck, we put up what thirty-one. Uh, yeah, I think we've we've put the most or something like that. We put thirty-one. I think that's the most so far this year that anyone's put on them. So I mean, you know, it's it's kind of it's kind of rough all over. So I think that it becomes really and 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 it's what they're doing because you notice that they're not they're they're bringing in some secondary but they're mm-hmm. bringing in a lot of defensive line mm-hmm. you know it's if you can get to the quarterback if you can if you can get to the quarterback with your front four it mm-hmm. makes everybody's job that much easier oh yeah and so yes. i think that uh, with a, a guy like chavis who right now at this school is not looking to blitz a whole lot then you get get a ton of, of defensive ends and defensive mm-hmm. linemen and try to get all the pressure that you can get. Um, because that's when you know, we, our defense has looked, has had some halves 
where they looked great. Oh yeah. And then they just fall, you know, fall apart. But I want to, you know, we've spent most of the, the time talking about talking about football and what, what, what the format, what we're going to do is probably a midweek. Normally it'll be kind of looking ahead to whatever games are coming up on the weekend and sort of reflecting. Uh, and then we'll probably do one maybe on Sunday that will be sort of an overview of what's happened and then what's coming up for the next week. So um, with the bye week this week and basketball and baseball uh, aren't in full swing yet. Um, so that's why I think we've just been kind of taking a look back with just a few games left at the football season. But um, real quick here, what what are your thoughts? I know you actually went and watched uh, watched the exhibition game that the Hogs played the other night. Who were they playing? Um, Tusculum, okay. which is a it's a small school out of Tennessee somewhere. Okay. So, what were your impressions from watching them live? Um, you know, lots of new faces. I mean, you had the only faces I from last year are Gafford, uh, Bailey, and Osaboyan. I, I think that's how you pronounce his name. Right. But um, that was pretty much it. I mean, everybody else is new. Um, one thing I noticed right off the bat, I, I think th- this first game was kind of a weird. It was a weird game. I think these f- new guys were kind of nervous, you know. Right, um, sure. Kind of like you know that's their first game, even though it's against a small school. They don't. I mean, they've just been playing high school ball for for four years, you know. So they right. don't, you know. So now they're in this huge arena playing, you know, with the band and the intros and all the lights and all that stuff. So it, you know, they they seemed a little bit out of the gate, a little bit like a nervous, shell shocked, or a little out of sorts, a little bit, and they. um I, I personally think Anderson was trying to get them involved more. They didn't throw the ball to Gafford, really. Gafford seemed a little bit out of it, you know, as far as the game. He kind of seemed – I don't know. He didn't get any – he didn't get a whole lot of points till towards the end. Um, he got into some foul trouble too. But one thing I, I did notice on about this team that first game is that the defense was, in my opinion, noticeably better. Now I realize it's against a small school, but they – they hustled. It seemed like more like the game was actually very close um, for about the first 10 minutes that the other team jumped out to like an eight zero lead on us. And then uh, Anderson started doing the full court press. And then, you know, then it was over with more or less after that. But these guys really, I think hustle more on defense and probably, and they play better defense. So that's one thing, the offense, you know, who knows they're still, they're still young. Uh, there's a guy, Isaiah Joe, who's a who's looks like he's a pretty good shooter. He had like twenty something points. He can shoot. He can knock the three down pretty well. But uh, there's a point guard, Jalen Harris, and he's a junior. He's a transfer from, I think New Mexico or something like that. But he he's a you can tell he's experienced. He's very fast, plays hard, and 
knows how to drive and dish the ball and make shots and stuff. He's he's pretty good. So I think we'll be all right. It's just kind of a feeling out kind of thing right now. Well, it's going to be interesting to see because Anderson is going to be his next few uh, his next few recruiting classes are pretty pretty highly ranked, are they not? Yeah, this class. Well, these guys that are playing now that that was a pretty decent class they had. Um, I can't remember what it was ranked, but it was one of the better ones. He got some pretty good, pretty big names, you know. For for being Arkansas, he has a decent you know. class coming in next year too, right? Um, I'm not sure. I haven't looked to see, to be honest with you. Well, it's just gonna it's gonna be interesting because I think that Mike Anderson has done some good things, but I think that also there's a lot of people in this state that are expecting him to turn the corner a little bit. Now, I do think that he's gonna have some uh, have some leeway. This year, expectations, I think, are down a bit because Mm -hmm. we understood that we lost some players last year and um, they had a a pretty – the last couple years going into the uh, NCAA tournament and, um, you know, having some pretty pretty exciting years. But I feel like that uh, Arkansans are not going to be settled on a coach until we're pretty comfortable that we're going to be hitting that tournament on a yearly basis. We want to get back to that point. And so it's just going to be interesting to see um, if, if we struggle this year, how much more leeway Anderson is going to have, how many more years does he, does he have there have here? Uh, Because I've always liked Mike Anderson, uh, but I uh, I think that that to some extent he's he's having to um, he's having to tweak what he does normally to fit the talent that he's getting as opposed to getting talent that fits what he's wanting to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I uh, Mike Anderson is a bad tipper. I will say that I do. Uh, <laughs> I do want that to be acknowledged. He's, uh, you know, probably a decent fellow, but he's a, a shitty tipper. And so, you know, maybe, um, uh, maybe that's something that, uh, you know, maybe, maybe he doesn't know bearing. any better. He's a maybe millionaire, has, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, that has a bearing on maybe his, uh, his uh, ability to recruit, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, class is class, right? <laughs> you know, there are people. I've got an uh, an uncle that man. If I ever if I ever go out and eat with him, dude, I always I always try to have cash if I'm going to meet up somewhere and eat with him because <laughs> he's I know a no he's, tipper. Yeah, he's a no tipper, and I've waited tables, and and that sucks. And I always like. You know, when we get up to leave, I'll I'll leave some money on the table, or if I see the waitress or whatever, I'll right. walk up to her and give it to her or something. But yeah, it's a uh, if you, I don't know, I, I hate to sound like a communist, but I think everyone should have to wait tables for like six months, you know, right. just to see what it's like. <laughs> yeah, well, and then you don't, and then you understand why tipping is what it is. Right. Um, 
that's that's the that's what that is. Waiting table is one of those things that everybody should have to do, you know, at least once as much as we all go out to eat. Right. Uh, but, you know, it, I think it's interesting because I, I wonder this sometimes. I wonder what, you know, what who could we have had uh, or could we have had after we had, you know, had the, the way things went. Uh, with Stan Heath and Pelfrey. Right. Who could we have gotten at that point that would have brought Malik Monk in, that would have brought that uh, kid that went to Florida? I mean, if you, if you, if you get those two kids. Mm-hmm. That changes um, a lot. And, and there was, I, I'm, and, and I've, I feel like I shouldn't do this talking on the podcast, bring up something that I don't have any, any of the uh, actual information, but I, um, I remember what we were playing. I think it was Vanderbilt. I think there's a, a kid that's from Arkansas that went, that ended up going to Vandy and was like, uh, you know, didn't have a whole, whole lot of offers, but ended up going to Vandy. And, uh, when we played them last year, I know we had a good game. And I remember hearing that he was one of the reasons that both of those guys didn't come here that uh, because Mike Anderson didn't show any interest in that kid Mm -hmm. that they didn't come here, that if he would have come here, uh, if he would have gotten an offer, like he just didn't even get an offer that if he would have gotten off now that's all speculation. And, and um, you know, I think, I think for, um, for Malik Monk, you know, he got exactly what he was looking for out of college. Just um, he wasn't looking to make an impact for anybody but himself. And Kentucky right. is that kind of team where uh, you just get to shine the spotlight down on yourself as bright, brightly as you want. And that's what Malik Monk, that's what Malik Monk wanted. Um, yeah. I yeah, still, no uh, if I see, if I ever see that guy, I'm going to, Probably like, I don't know, I got kids and stuff now, but I was going to say flipping the bird, but something, you know. <laughs> well, he's, he's Maybe not playing flipping the bird. Maybe it depends on if my kids are with me. Like, cover your eyes, Blake Monk. Well, he's playing for, who's it, Charlotte, I think, or somebody like that. I think he got traded. Oh, did he? But I don't, I don't pay, I don't pay much attention. Whatever, you know, I mean, it's silly to get mad at a kid because it, there is the part of you that goes, well, if I was in that situation, what would I have done? I honestly think I would have gone to Arkansas. I don't want to dredge anything up again, but I just, I, I, I don't know. You know, Kentucky is the kind of place that they just, you know, how long do they remember you there? You're like, oh, yeah, that guy that played here that one year. Right. Um, you know, they didn't win the national championship, so you you were pretty much forgotten. If Malik Monk, if you would have come to Arkansas and we had just gotten to the NCAA tournament, there probably would forever be a, something enshrining him, you know, in Bud Walton Arena. Right, um, yeah. And he would have been remembered forever, you know, as a hero around here. Um, but... You know, who knows? He said that 
uh, that wasn't important to him. So I'm just a still bitter, bitter man. Um, <laughs> so I guess we'll wrap up here with, uh, have you heard anything about baseball uh, coming off of the year last year where we were the runner up in the college world series? Uh, have you, have you heard anything about what the baseball team looks like? No, I would assume, I know, um, is I think his name is, I know his last name is Martin. It's Chris Martin, I think. Yeah. Um, the third, I think he's third baseman. He's one of the top prospects for, I, May, I mean, he's, I don't think it's Chris Martin. What is his name? But, um, he's. I mean, he's going to go pro after this next year, I would assume, or he's right. going to get drafted pretty high. He's like, I want to say I heard he was the number one baseball prospect coming in preseason, of course, you know. Well, and it's but, funny because uh, um, <laughs> I can't remember anybody's name, but the other kid was the one that got the the freshman of the year. Kerstat. Because it's Casey Martin, right? Yeah, Casey, Casey Martin, Martin. And right. then uh, Kerstat, yeah. And mm-hmm. Kerstat won the the SEC freshman of the year and it was because it was because they didn't submit Casey Martin. They knew that if they submitted both of them that they would cancel each other out, so they had to pick uh, which one they were gonna send. They knew whichever one they sent was gonna win. Right. Uh and they said that Kerstat had uh had been a, a little more um He'd been a little more steady and consistent mm-hmm. through the year. So, yeah, Casey Martin, seemed, I mean, he seems like it. He, he, he fell off for us at the end of the season. He really, uh, once we got to the World Series, he just ran out of juice. Yeah. Um, that was kind of a disappointing time for him to just sort of go away. I mean, it, really our hitting just went away. Yeah, that was the big – I mean, it was uh, – it was – it was hard to watch, man, because we were just hot batting it. And then we got into that championship series, and it just it just took a fart, man. I, yeah. It well, was frustrating one, to watch. You know, that one, that one you know, fly ball was just uh, – because I'm a Cubs it. fan, and I believe in that, in that shit, man. Y- you know, the, the, the way that one play in baseball can just – just doom you it's mm-hmm. it's it's not like any other sport where one thing happens all of a sudden you get this fucking you get this like sick feeling in your stomach you're like oh no yeah. oh no we are we're done aren't we uh so looks like we're gonna probably ha- have another team that's gonna compete this year dave van horn has that's been the baseball team has been the bright light of our of our program uh, and he's really kept us where it looks like we're going to be competitive on a, on a fairly regular basis. So we'll be looking forward to that. Yeah. Van Horn. I mean, he's by far the best coach up there. I mean, he's year in year out. He's created a, an, I guess you would call it a, a top tier program for sure. I mean, in the top tier conference. So he's got a winning culture. Mm-hmm. Of baseball there, so yeah, he knows what he's doing. Well, we're probably going to normally try to do thirty minutes, but for our first inaugural episode, uh, we went a little bit longer, just kind of 
giving uh, some impressions about football and everybody's got their opinion. And I, I think that with, with what we're looking at product wise, you cannot make any, any real judgments at this point. We're not going to know uh, until another couple years down the road, I think, uh, what, what exactly, uh, where the blame lies. Cause if, if coach Morris continues to do what he has done as a head coach in the past and has a steady improvement and is able to get his guys in, in the next few years, and we start seeing a cohesive unit, then I think we'll know that largely it was the players. Uh, but if this is something that continues to plague us over the next few seasons where we can't hold the lead, um, then, you know, we'll, we'll know more. But I, if I had to bet, I would bet on our coaching staff. I feel like they've got us, you know, going in a good direction. So, well, um, uh, thanks, those of you who are going to listen to us. Uh, nobody is going to right now, but but some people will uh, stumble upon here. And we're just going to continue to try to give, um, I think, uh, to give us some uh, honest conversation and see where that goes. So we appreciate you joining us. And uh, Dave, you have anything to say uh, on the way out? Um. Just patience, you know. I, I yeah. <laughs> you know, when you listen to the radio talk shows, those guys, there's just a lot of impatient Arkansas fans, man. You know, call them for the, you know, they call in and they're just they want to win now, and it's they just don't have any perspective on how big of a problem. The, you know that Chad Morris has to fix. To be honest, so right. just give him give him time. I think he's. I mean, look at his recruiting. That's what he has had total control over. You know, since he's been there, is the recruiting, and we could possibly have one of the best classes ever since they started keeping track of recruiting rankings, and it could be the best in Arkansas history if it pans out the way it's going. So, well, we'll have to. Hope and and hope that he only adds. Uh, so um, for uh, Dave McGlave and Chooch McGooch uh, <laughs> from both uh, Springdale and Jonesboro, we're signing off. Thank you for joining us. <laughs>